The following discussion is not necessarily the views of all involved. The goal is to start open and honest discussion in the Christian worldview. Like all things, weigh what you hear with what you know and join us in our pursuit for the truth. Enjoy the podcast. And that's always been our goal is to be just a little better than Reddit. Because you in my favorite pagan tradition, that is converting to Christianity. Yeah. <laughs> that's how I met my wife. I just started throwing food at her. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> All right. I'd like to welcome everyone to the Second Rate Saints podcast. I am one of your members here. Caleb, to my left is... Josh. To my left is I'm I'm Joel, another yet another host of the podcast. Are we hosts? Are we members? Are we uh, dude, co-stars? Owners? Like co-stars. I guess we're owners, but it's kind of like now that we've changed. Hey, here's my pet rock, kind of a thing. Now, now that we've changed how like things are slightly recorded and whatnot, now it feels weird to call myself a producer. Yeah. <laughs> so like I don't do that anymore. You do have the soundboard in front of you. I do, and the soundboard is a three inches by six inches block. It's, nice. it's nice. It's it's not bad. <laughs> yeah. I feel like we should get video just to show off the sound. <laughs> um I'm to Joel's left. And you'll notice <laughs> Colton is missing and we are missing yeah. Stuart again. Yep. Joel, do we do we do stuff on the internet? We do. We do. We do stuff at uh secondrightsaints.com is is a big uh, kind of junction on the internet where you can then follow the pathways to all the different uh, realms that we have taken over <laughs> on the cyberspace. Uh, <laughs> I used all the wrong words there. And uh, yeah, so you'll see our book reviews, our blog posts. Um, if you want to get in contact with us, there's a, a message button. And you can actually become a member on the on the site. Um, which just simply gives us a list of your emails. That's it. Um, it might be for a form that I'm slowly working on later. It could be a form, but then we have to have moderators, and I would prefer they just talk to us one-on-one until we know there's enough people to talk to each other. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, um, but it would still be better than Reddit. <laughs> it, would, it would be better than Reddit, and that's kind of always been our goal is to be just a little <laughs> bit redder, better than Reddit. Um, Sounds like a great miniseries. Yeah. Uh, other than that, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, really wherever podcasts are found. Um, we're pretty wide across the search engine there. Um, but there is one question I have, and it's it's for Josh. Ooh. Um, what have you read? Okay, so I read a religious text called the Tibetan Book of the Dead. That's not the Bible. That's not a Christian religious text. You're right. Oh. And let me tell you, I'm not speaking as a Christian here. This book? Not great. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, For a second, I I thought you were going to scale it back. (laughs) With all due respect, this book has helped many people, and I understand why. Um, It offers hope. But I think it's lacking in in any ground to do so. This is what I mean. <laughs> the Tibetan Book of the Dead is the is the basically the equivalent of last rites in the Catholic faith. Okay. Um, so you would get the last rites written to you as part of the seven sacraments of Catholicism. Um and there's a specific formula to the last rites. The Tibetan Book of the Dead is the continuation, is the, the last rites, so to speak, of Dharmic, um, like Buddhism. Mm-hmm. Um, what it does is it's, it's the last attempt to reach nirvana hmm. for the individual. Okay. Um, and even for people who have not been practicing. And the goal is, is that the the person present that is reading it to the person that is dying or dead has to do so as soon, as close to death as possible. And the goal is, is to read these passages about the perfect trinity, this weird dharmic state within individuals, this, this, this goal of 
realizing nirvana at the point in which you see the last light. Mm-hmm. Um, and the goal of that is that, that that last light is the last is the only glimpse a physical person gets upon di- in their life naturally of nirvana that the, the actual last light you get is of that ultimate state, but it's as if you're passing by. So you're going 200 miles an hour and then you just see a doorway swing open. And you're like, Oh yeah. Yeah. The <laughs> left turn appears in the tree line and then you passed it already and you're done. And most people pass it naturally. You will pass it. You don't see it. It's a hidden driveway without a sign or that mirror showing up that allows you to like turn. Um, and what, the Tibetan Book of the Dead's goal is, is that somebody who is a, a Buddhist monk, usually a Lama or just a guru will read it in front of you as close to their, your face as possible. They will yeah. put their face like an inch away from your nose. Um, like a Jehovah's Witness. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they will read this out to you, hoping or a that, Baptist. <laughs> and they'll read it to you as you're dying, or to you just after you died, if they couldn't get to you. Mm. And the goal is, is that while you're in that struggling and you're about to hit the last light, the goal is when you get there to pull back and resist death mm. long enough so that you can spend more time in the perfect light, so mm. that hopefully you could basically divert off the road at 200 miles an hour and get on the right turn, the exit on the highway. Um, And it's just a manual. It's written like a manual. Hmm. So, and it, it's so lacking in depth. It's like, Hey, you're a person. You're not actually a person. You're just a mind. And that mind doesn't exist you're just a nothingness that is seeking a nothingness, but that nothingness isn't really nothing. It's something. And that's you. Hmm. Wow. I was never <laughs> described so succinctly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> and it uses religious terminology. And I'm sure as we, as Christians and as second rate saints have talked about, there's a lot of depth to these religious terms and religious formulations that the reader that is uninitiated just doesn't see. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure I'm not seeing 99% of what's there. Yeah. But as it, as an offering of hope, as a last ditch effort and people bet their life on this, it's, it's so lacking in that hope. Mm-hmm. It doesn't offer a mode to live in. It doesn't offer an actual, it's saying like, Hey, if nothing else works, here you go, dude. Yeah. So something that you can see, um, how's the cover? <laughs> um, so it's got uh Buddha, not the fat Buddha, the, the Indian Buddha that's skinnier. That's made the golden statue of that's mm. the giant one. Um, he's, it's just a black silhouette with a sun behind him. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's bad, but that's also because it's like, a. What is it? It's cheapy it's the $9. Arcturus yeah. The $9 print, books. Then the $6 books at uh Indigo. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it sucks, the cover. Um so what's a better book? A better the Bible. Yeah, but specifically a, a book. Um, oh specifically, um, the book of Ruth. Really? Yes. I guess we should talk about it then. <laughs> oh, that was a rough transition. <laughs> It was. I, I, you you inhaled, and I thought you were going to be like, this transition is garbage. And I was like, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> no, 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 it's good. So it's good. Ruth, as Ruth is obviously not an equivalent to the Tibetan Book of the Dead because it's not about death. It's not about that, that hope in death. But what it is about is about loss mm-hmm. and finding hope in someone provided by God. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um. And that theme we're going to talk about in the next two like uh, episodes on Ruth, but we're only talking about the first two chapters of Ruth today um, because it kind of sets up the relationship between Ruth and the other individual, the one that helps her, yeah, uh, Boaz. It's, it sets the groundwork for that. Yeah, but also Naomi. Yes, <laughs> I don't. I don't think Naomi's a good character throughout the book. She's a bit sad. Really? Yeah. <laughs> no, okay. she is a okay. depiction of, uh, if we jump the gun completely, of <laughs> resurrection hope. Um, Ruth is. Okay. Yes. Uh, Ruth or Naomi? Uh, Naomi. 
Mm. Um, the reason mm. being is because the son she is given is counted as hers. Yes. At the end. But I don't think that says a lot about God. I don't know. It says much about her. No, no, no. But that's the point is that resurrection hope is not in us. It's in God. Sure. Yeah. If you overlay yeah. over top of the story. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, let's, uh, let's, get into, <laughs> let's get into Ruth. So we have, what is the book of Ruth? Joel, what, uh, what, what's the book of Ruth? Uh, the one of two books named after a woman. True. Um, it is the story of uh, mother-in-laws. <laughs> uh, there's a actual romance played out. Yeah. Um, seems to be one of the only legitimate romances besides Song of Songs and Jacob and uh, Rebecca. Yeah. It, um, it, like the only ones where there's actual like emotion to it. Right. Like it's not just locked and loaded romance. Yeah. Um, if you could get past the potential sex scene um, in yeah, this. Yeah, there's a sex scene in it. Yeah. Which is not, not super common in most um, books. But, but uh, it Bible, could almost though. be a Disney movie. Same with Esther. Both of them could yeah. almost be a Disney movie. Could all... Yeah. They could be a VeggieTales. I don't know if they could be a Disney movie. <laughs> DreamWorks, maybe? maybe? They've done Prince of Egypt and Joseph. And Joseph? Yeah, they did a Joseph movie previous to uh, Prince of Egypt, which was a similar art style, but it was not as good. It was good, but not as good. Hmm. Well, if I ever watched yeah. that. Yeah. Regardless... Ruth is a great book, but it starts off, it starts off Mm -hmm. setting up what will be answered in the second half. So let's, let's, let's go over a couple of the, couple of the themes. Like what's, what goes on in the first opening verses, like one to six. Yeah. So what happens is the book of Ruth opens up with in the days when the judges ruled. Oh, judges is bad times. (laughs) Yeah. So for the uninitiated, the, the, the period of the judges follows the conquest of Israel. So the Israelites exodus out of Egypt, get the law in the wilderness, become Joshua takes over Israel. And then the judges, which is a series of rulers of Israel given by God, uh, can go through this cycle of that. People do what's right in their own eyes. The enemy comes and oppresses them. God elects a leader he frees them, and then they fall back into sin. Yeah, God hears their cries. Yes. He provides a, a savior. He saves them. They follow God for a tiny little bit. Then they're like, ah, you know, whatever. Anyway, it worked out last time when we did what was right in our own eyes. Same thing over Yeah, mm-hmm. over. And for over. those who want a timeline, Joshua was the first judge. Samuel was the last one. So that's kind yeah. of the era of Israel that we're talking about. And this is yeah. probably towards the latter end because Boaz is David's great grandfather uh, yes can, it's in uh yeah yeah boaz fathers a obed obed fathers jesse jesse fathers david yeah um yeah and so ultimately ruth is about the arrival of the king david um about like god's production of the king in his own time yeah um and ahead of israel's desire for a king mm-hmm. which is interesting but that's a that's a later theme Um, but what it starts off with is at that time, which is a horrible cycle of falling away and coming back, falling away and coming back, this famine hits the land and a man from the city of Bethlehem, interesting, uh, in Judah, uh, went to sojourn in the country of Moab with his wife. This man's name is Elimelech and his wife's name is Naomi. And they take their sons, uh, Malon and Killian, um, why would they leave the promised land? The idea is that they leave because of the famine. And Moab is not in famine. Do you think that there's a weird thing of God not providing at the beginning? Like I, they, 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 by leaving, they actively don't believe that God will provide in his own land. Yes. What's interesting about that is Bethlehem means house of bread house of bread yeah (laughs) yeah yeah um and that's a beautiful image right there um and the word used is interesting for when they leave it says they become uh they sojourn or they become residents uh traveling in a foreign land Mm. um and that word is (laughs) gur or gur 
whatever. Uh, but it means to turn aside from the road or to shrink in fear, uh, to abide somewhere else. Is that built off of Gaia? Not Gaia. Um, whatever the one is, Goyim? Is that the one? For like wayward nations? But it's potentially... Uh, I, I actually would wonder if it's the other way around. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause you have like sojourners are yeah. Kareem or something like that. Um, and so what's interesting is it's immediately, it's described as he turns away. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's sin language. Yep. That's and rejection if, language. And if you're thinking time of the judges, it's like, Oh, this is bad. <laughs> yeah. And again, names play such an interesting relationship in these stories. Elimelech means, uh, my God is king. Oh, yeah. 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 And he lives in the house of bread. And he's turning away because of famine. So completely contrary to his place and name. Yeah. He is. Okay. And all to go for. Do you think there's a, a metaphor of foreign wives there? Because that's also a very specific um, thing mm-hmm. they were told not to do in Levitical law. I think what it is is this is the promised land. This is the place that they left Egypt for. Yeah. Um, and Moab had been a, there's a promise of blessing in this land, milk and honey, mm-hmm. and there's nothing. But as we know from the judges, the opening line is that lack of provision. It's not because of God, but because of their walking away from him. Well, mm-hmm. and I think that's evident by when they go to Moab, they, mm-hmm. they, they, Naomi's sons take Moabite women, which is yes. strictly prohibited by the law. Yeah, well, that's what I was saying. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, I, it goes I think to Joel's idea. Yeah, but I don't, I don't know if that's the reason why they left. I think it's an, I think that's an indication of their posture towards the the law. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, they leave, and you're like, okay, so there might be some reasons why they leave. Blah blah blah. Oh, mm-hmm. well, they also take Moabite wives. Okay, they they clearly yeah. aren't. To they made a it. home outside of the fold. They yes. didn't just leave. They the are fold. dwelling outside, mm-hmm. away. Yeah, they've turned away. Yeah, um, and that's such an it. It sounds like in the text, as a reader, you go, "Oh, they just moved away." But for the initiated who understand the language and understand the literature, this is this is sin language. They're mm-hmm. turning away from God and His promise, which is profound for the next part. Um, but yeah, that same. Imagery, uh, Gur turning away, uh, dwelling outside. You've then got, they, they die. Mm-hmm. The sons die. Mm-hmm. And the they, husband dies. The husband dies and the sons die. And we're not told why, but it is kind of, it seems like it's the epitome of lack of provision is <laughs> death. Or when you turn away from God, it leads to death. Oh, clearly, yeah, but yeah. like, what are we mm-hmm. meant to see as the cause of death? Is it intentionally left blank there? Like, what's? I think I, I think it I think because it, it doesn't matter, right? Like okay. exactly how yeah. they die because the author the author doesn't care, mm-hmm. right? Functionally, it's oh they're dead, so there's just left with so they they were not provided for, so they left. Okay, now the group is only with two women. Well, actually, three women at, at this point in the, in the story. Yeah. Now there's just three women, but mm-hmm. they can't provide them for themselves. And so the family left because of lack of provision. Yeah. They went to a place that had provision. Seemingly, now that the men are dead, now they're back in the state of no provision, and even maybe worse than when they had left Israel. Yes. And like if we go with that theme as presented for the Israelites... That whole idea is just like, yes, you might not be getting the promise of God at this moment. You might not be getting the blessing right now or the benefits right now. But leaving is not good. Mm. Um, And we'll get into that. But there is that. So they go because of lack of provision. They go to Moab in search of it. They end up falling away sexually and then they die. Mm -hmm. And they live there for 10 years without kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Why? God's not providing. <laughs> right? So, like, why? Um, and so Naomi, the mother, wife of Elimelech, uh, is there with her two daughters who are Moabites. Um, and they come back. Well, not all three of them come back. 
All three of them leave to, let's see, I believe they travel. Oh, yeah. So, they, they, they all come back, but then the one's like, hey, I don't want to yeah. be here. Yeah. yeah. They travel with her. Naomi tells them to go back. Mm-hmm. You don't need to return with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but Ruth says no. Her line it, is profound. Um, just before we read it, do you think that it's... She she talks a little bit about it in her line as well. Do you think it's it's likely because the one that does return um, probably could have been could be remarried, whereas Ruth was perhaps a little older. Hmm. It seems. I hate that. That's like a, indicative of that culture, meaning that she wouldn't be able to get married and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, because yeah. mm-hmm. the other one returns to her father's house. Yeah. It it could be. I just I don't see the specific evidence for it. Sure, um, sure. I think that would have text. to be a cultural yeah. thing, specifically about the Moabites. Well, like, I wouldn't even be able to look. Ruth into- tells her, "Will you not go back with your sister in law? Um, will you live without a husband?" Mm-hmm. So, like, she's even kind of like saying, "Like, you could go back and get a husband, okay. but you're not." Yeah. And then Ruth's line, which is one of the most profound pieces of text uh, in the Bible, as affirmation of a Gentile to Israel is do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you for where you go. I will go where you lodge. I will lodge your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. She's bought in. Mm -hmm. She at least seeing Naomi enough has been enough to convert her. Mm -hmm. Oh, Naomi or her husband. Yeah. Like, but here's the thing, though. We know that the family, to begin with, was not extremely observant of the law. So I don't, I don't know if it's if it's fair to infer that. Excuse me, I'm gonna. <laughs> Let's retake. I don't know if it's fair to infer that her faith is solely off of the uh, Elimelech family. True, there is that. The alternative. But, but how else would she look? No. Or the alternative could be is as Christians, for example, we, you can be the most faithful individual to the church, to God in the church. And yet there will still be times that when faced with hardship, suffering, lack of blessing, when you're just, you're overwhelmed by famine, so to speak, the lack of, you do things that you wouldn't. For 10 years took on Moabite women, mm-hmm. which presented all previously in the previous text. Like every time in Judges, it's just like, oh, they took Gentile wives? Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. Philistines are common. <laughs> yeah. True. But what's also interesting is the people that are coming back are not the people that left. Only one is. Yes. Ruth yeah. didn't leave. She's from out there. Mm-hmm. She's now entering the promised land. Yeah. It's it's almost the equivalent of let me use a, an example from uh, another passage is when the when the Israelites sorry when Abraham and his family Jacob through Joseph end up going to Egypt they go with their family some of them die some of them don't make it through the wilderness right but some Egyptians come with them could you see this as a typology for how the Jews. Um, moved through the Old Testament, rejected Christ, died, and then with some of the Jews and the Gentiles, they are within the new covenant of Christ. Absolutely, dude. (laughs) Absolutely. This is also exile. This is also when they go into exile and they come back, and some of them that come back are not necessarily all Jewish. Yeah, I mean, that does happen. Yeah. Um, And it's... And then it's ultimately found in the archetype of Christ. That wouldn't be significant if he, if Ruth didn't show up in Jesus's genealogy. Right? Absolutely. So, well, with well, with the Exodus specifically, there are non-Israelites that. Come so, with is them. your claim that Naomi and Ruth are representative of the remnant? I think Naomi is representative of the original group coming back, the remainder of the original group. Yeah. And Ruth is the example of the Gentile coming with. Okay, but I think that, like you can say that with the uh, with the exile thing, but I think it's absolutely it's like yes, it, it, we should clarify that this is like super mm-hmm. type like typological reading on the text. It's typological. It's also metaphorical. Yeah, uh, it's also well, too I, systematic for what we usually do. 
Well, I, I think if we, as we We're follow just... into the rest of Ruth, I think this is one of the presentations. This is them going into Jericho and leaving with Rahab. Yeah. This is um, the this is the the Syrian uh, the Assyrian general coming to Israel for bad means, finding God and bringing dirt with him so he can worship God in Assyria. Well, it, it's Naaman. Also, it's also Paul going yeah. into a, right. It's also yeah. Paul going into a synagogue, convincing few, and then going to the going to the Gentiles, and then he has yeah yeah. yeah. And this is this is God making a nation of. Jewish people, and like you said, Gentiles come with. Anyway, now that we've completely yeah. overlaid our uh, whole Bible thoughts onto the yeah. text. Anyway, so Ruth comes with, and she's like, hey, where you go, I will follow. Yeah. <laughs> and it says, the verse says, um, then she arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab. That word return is interesting because it's, to turn back. Oh, so specifically using, again, sin and righteousness terminology. Yeah. Mm. She turns back, and it's it's both uh, literally and figuratively. Is that um, the same word used for repentance in the Old Testament in several passages? I, this, it's usually, this word is used like a thousand times, literally a thousand times. And every single time in Genesis it was used, it was just to turn back. Like... To, to return to back physically to turn around. Yeah. Okay. Um, or to go somewhere. Um, but what's interesting is the, if you take a lot theology of directions <laughs> in the Bible is a very interesting thing. As they move away from the promised land, it becomes worse. They go into the outer nations, it becomes worse. Yeah. Um, and then when they come back, it becomes better. And so she's literally turning around facing God the same way that Jonah in his story says, I will turn to the temple. I will turn back to the temple yeah. um, and offer proper praise. Uh, that's why we should be praying facing east. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> or, but, but that's the language of repentance of we're walking away from God and now we're turning back to him. Okay. Um, and so... Again, you've got that. She comes back. She turns around and Ruth follows. Beautiful. Beautiful language. Um, and as a result, what happens? Yeah, so they turn back and then we get into chapter two. So they yeah. arrive. They have that battle. Sadly, the one girl, the one daughter-in-law, she goes back to Moab. Like, yeah, it's sad. It's also not the end of the world. Like, I don't know. I'm thinking of it like as a, like a, I know if you take like the theological lens, it's super sad. But yeah. if you take like the super, also like she's the, traveling alone. The personal lens. Talk about not going into the other field. Is, it, I mean, yeah, is there any true. indication <laughs> that she's traveling alone? Uh, she, it just says that she returns to Moab. Well, assuming, and, here's the thing. They would, would Ruth and Naomi have their husbands and sons relative wealth? Here, here's my argument yeah. for it. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Here's my argument against it. Why is Ruth the one that's collecting the, the like, why is she gleaning mm -hmm. and not if they had servants or slaves or anything? Yeah. Yeah. Also, I think they're presented as very poor. And Naomi's old. Yeah. yeah. Like, she already had sons able to be married, and then they spent their 10, they spent life there for 10 years. Yeah. Yeah, that's not like it's not like Old Testament old though. No, but like you know? like being able to work in the fields three thousand years ago. I mean, that's true. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the what the metaphor is though with her turning back, because in my mind it doesn't make sense that she would go back to Moab. It seems like they were in Moab and she just stayed. Well, so, as a, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. So is there, why is the author making it seem like she leaves the promised land and goes back? What's interesting is for me, what I saw was they leave because of a lack of provision. Okay. They leave Bethlehem as a, because of a lack of provision. There was no blessing. They were not experiencing it. And they perceived that it was better out there mm -hmm. where there was no famine. And so they went. 
And then as a result, the husbands die. And in that time, the women needed providers in life. They, they needed the men to work, mm-hmm. to be able to work, because they didn't inherit the land. They don't have the ability to own land and provide for themselves. Yeah. And so when they leave, they lose their provider. When they get, so they, they lack provision, mm-hmm. they go to Moab and they lose their providers. And yeah. so they return to Israel because they have no providers. Mm-hmm. And Naomi says, I have family there. Yeah. They can take care of me. There, there is a provider in Israel. Yeah. There isn't one in Moab. Mm-hmm. And okay. just that idea. And I think in chapter two, you see a lot of this theme revisited. What do we know about the Moabites? Like, did you do, did you come across much of that when you were reading on the? I did. I didn't see very. Not like, do enough. Mm. Um, I believe Moab and the Ammonites are the descendants of Lot. Yes, okay, you're yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. yeah um. True. So they're, but culturally, but, but you're asking culturally, right? I guess culturally, like, would they have just been Canaanite peoples? As far as I'm aware, they're, they're like Canaanite mm. adjacent. The, yeah, because mm. they're they're, they're separated Semitic by. Groups. Mm. They're but, separated by the Jordan. Yeah. Um, they're not, they don't pop up in biblical literature very often. No, they, not a ton. They were a part of Israel crossing the wilderness into before Joshua. Mm-hmm. And then because Joshua deals with inside Canaan, whereas Moses dealt with like the oh, Ammonites, man. the Moabites, and all that. If they're descendants of Lot, then that typology is thick. Mm-hmm. Right, because there's the whole he left Abraham's promised land as well, well to go live chose, among what was most beautiful to him. He also yeah. ch- he chose the better land. Yeah, yeah, he chose the better land and then ended up screwing over. Yeah, which uh, okay. Well, then is there any um, similarity between the daughter who looked back and Lot's wife who looked back? Oh, like Lot's wife turning back? Yeah, at and God. becoming a, a pillar of salt. Um, I think the idea of turning away is that idea of like, you're turning away from the direction of where God is. Mm -hmm. So like God is judging what's behind them. They were turning away from, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. They Mm -hmm. were leaving to a better place. Yeah. God's a get out. Right. But she turned back to that thing. Um, and that's, she stagnated. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so to speak. That's code for she turned into salt. Yes. Yeah. Um, and as a result, died. Stagnated. Yeah. No, the reason I say that is because she stopped. They kept moving towards what was better. Mm-hmm. But um, again, that's a that that whole idea of that direction theology of like where yeah. God is judging and you're moving away to something yeah. that he's called you to. But then you're mm-hmm. like, no, I want that thing more. Yeah. And then she dies. <laughs> Um, it doesn't say she dies. So she Let turns, me tell you, Caleb. She could be a living salt. pillar of salt. Just say it. Could be. Um, golem, anyone? My commentary oh. on Genesis is coming out later. Assault <laughs> golem? Yeah, um, no. Assault golem. <laughs> so, the other thing you is... Frodo Baggins. So... Oh man, hey, nice can, we, can we get back to Ruth Caleb? I'm or sorry, do you want to start talking about the jokes? Hobbit? We had very little jokes and we needed to be funny. I want to talk about the Hobbit. Okay. <laughs> well, we can minute. completely sidetrack this entire podcast. Allegories are stupid. <laughs> That's what Tolkien said. So they need they gotta eat. Yes. So chapter two does a really good job of connecting now these this theme, finalizing it, so to speak. Um, because what happens is Ruth meets a man named Boaz. She goes out to start gleaning from fields because, as Naomi mentioned, appropriated in the law is a provision for the poor, the widow, and the orphan. Mm. That they could follow when a farmer was at the harvest taking his uh, harvest. If he dropped anything out the back of the cart, they had to leave it for the poor. Yeah. It's like the five-second rule for poverty. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly what it is. If you drop it, it's mine. (laughs) I got squatter's rights. (laughs) Yeah, and so God had provided in the law provisions for the poor yeah, um, and the orphan and the widow mm. specifically. And that's the taking care of the widow and the orphan there, which is yeah. cool. Um, and so Naomi says, Ruth, you need to go out and collect some food mm-hmm. uh, because we're poor and we're going to die. Um, 
So please go collect food. So she goes to the field um, and she is falling behind the carts and a man named Boaz sees her and asks one of his servants, like, who's that? Right. And the servant tells her him about Ruth and what she did for uh, Naomi. Yeah. Is that? No, it's good. Caleb's, okay. Caleb's laughing at nothing. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Um, Joe made a face and I just couldn't hold it in for our oh, audio. And <laughs> Boaz said, ooh, cool. Uh, that's nice. She did a really good thing for her uh, mother-in-law. Yeah. Drop extra yeah. food out the back of the cars for her. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just bowls her over. That's wild game. <laughs> Boaz got game. Give that's, me food. That's right. how I met my wife. I just started throwing food at her. Yeah. Um, and then she goes back to Naomi that night and she's like, how did you get so much? And she was like, the owner, Boaz, I was at Boaz's field and Naomi was like, who? Boaz? Dude, I know him. I know him. He's our kinsman redeemer. Mm. Game recognized game. (laughs) Kinsman redeemer was the idea of when a, uh, wife, uh, when a wife's husband's died and she had no kids a brother or a relative, the nearest relative of her husband would take her on, give her a child and the inheritance from her original husband would fall to her uh, new son via the other man. That son would be seen as the dead husbands. Mm. Yes. Um, The same thing actually is happening with, uh, happens with Judah in Genesis. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And Naomi's like, okay, go to his field again. Right. He will take care of us. He's supposed to. Um, and so great. Um, and you see your return of the provider and the provision. They can, they've, they've come back to the promised land and they now have food and someone looking out for them. Cool. But what's interesting is what Boaz says. So Boaz meets Ruth and he says to Ruth, listen carefully, my dear. That word dear is bait. It's also daughter. Um, oh, which is an interesting reflection of Jesus when he talks to the poor woman, the Canaanite woman and the mm. Gentile, mm. right? And he provides for her. He gives her that hope, right? Yeah. Um, Bait just being uh, Hebrew for daughter. Daughter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That wasn't clear. Um, <laughs> yeah. I just wanted says, to make sure that was clear for yeah. you. Uh, do not dabbled. leave to gather grain in another field. You need not go beyond the limits of this field. Um, and Don't was, go anywhere else. Don't go anywhere else. Here. But what's interesting is he's saying, I promise you that this land will provide. Don't go to the other field. Mm. What did her father do? Oh, yeah. God promised, don't go beyond the limits of this field because I will provide everything you need. Mm. And he went to another field and died. Yeah. And he tells her, don't go to another field. I will provide for you and be careful of those men. They will take advantage of you. Yeah. And so you see a, an actual reflection in her life of the opening story. Mm-hmm. Don't turn away and have to come back because you might not be able to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because you'll go there and die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do not leave. And you see that equivalent. Do not leave the promised land. You need not any other land. And then as a result of a Limelech's choice, yeah. don't, don't leave your God. You need not any other God. Um, and so you see that return of they stay and Ruth stays because of provision and a provider yeah. is found in the land that her parents, her father-in-law left because there was no provision and they ended up with no provider. Mm-hmm. Anyways, that. So when she says, um, and your God will be my God, what does that say about the requirements to be under the covenant of Abraham? Well, what's interesting is it's a reflection of God's statement about Israel. You will be my people and I will mm. be your God. Yeah. Yeah. And she's saying your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Mm. It's it's more that she's assumed as much as she can Israelite ethnicity. Okay. Via her husband. Hmm. Um and then even once her husband dies, which would nullify that contract. Yeah. Right? In that culture. She's like, No, that that is that is still yeah, who I am. That's still the mm-hmm. deal. Yeah. I'm not going to revert back to my pre-contract marriage state. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. That it's, it's such an interesting story. Cause like when you read it as like a 
kid or whatever, mm-hmm. or when you're going through your first reading of the Bible, you're just like, this is an interesting falling in love story. Yeah. But then, as we mentioned in the beginning of the podcast, this is a great imagery of the gospel. Yeah. It's a great imagery of God's promise For to sure. a people. So when you've heard sermons on Ruth, what have been some of the the themes that have stuck up to you stuck out to you? Because I've seen a lot that are just one to one crisis kingsman redeemer we're done. Yes. And I that, think it's a little richer than that, isn't it? Yes, but I think that's the well I think there's more. Yeah. But I think all of that more that people leave behind yeah. because you only have 30 minutes for your sermon. Yeah ends up just being reduced to the climax, which is Christ is the kinsman redeemer for Gentiles. Okay. Which is which is basically the main theme of Ruth. So yeah. it's not wrong. What does it mean before Christ get that, gets here, though? Like, uh, what it's is, that what Israel it is still the hope of the nations. Okay. Through Israel, yeah. um, the Gentile nations will see how they ought to live and yeah. what the true God actually... It, it's, it's Israel... <laughs> um, actually fulfilling the, I think it's, what is it? Is it Exodus 17 where it's the <laughs> priestly nation stuff? Mm. Um, yeah. But what's interesting is not intentionally. No, but by Israel <laughs> doing it wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. By failing, by falling into exile and coming back to the promised land. Well, it just, the whole story doesn't line up with the judges that we see. Like mm-hmm. the, if it takes place during the time of the judges, mm-hmm. um, especially towards the end, yeah, it's a dark moment for Israel. Well, absolutely. I, I think what it reveals is that God is going to use Israel's inability to uphold the covenant <laughs> to bring about the greater salvation of mm-hmm. the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. And you think there's an element of if you won't hold up the covenant, I will. Absolutely. Or, or no, that's if it. you won't hold up the covenant, I'll find somebody who will. Mm, well, I, I don't. I don't. That may come in, mm-hmm. but I think it's it's predominantly the well the covenants made. The promise I made to Abraham mm-hmm. was on my hand. Yes. Um, yeah. Okay. I'm I'm doing it regardless of if you're joining in. Yeah. Um, and also the relationship of kind of like with Joseph, where God, you clearly see God working, but it just looks like events happening, mm-hmm. right? Like he goes and he gets sold into slavery. Oh, but who's he getting sold into slavery to? Oh, by the Ishmaelites, his great grandfather, uh, bro- like great grand uncle. Yeah. Right. The people. And so like, and then like he becomes king, like second to Pharaoh and then ends up providing a safe haven for his family that sold him. Yeah. Right. And it's like, that was clearly as God says, what you intended for evil, I intended for good. Yeah. God was clearly working for the, his promise, regardless of what they were doing mm-hmm. and provided a way. And so the continuation of that thought with Ruth is the Israelites are doing what is right in their own eyes, called falling continuously into sin. And then they start to want a king against God's wish. He told them, you don't want a king. And then in Samuel, you see that king, they want a king too early and they end up getting a bad king. But during that whole period, Ruth is happening and God is providing the pathway for King David to appear. But he was doing it long before. Which is God providing over multiple generations. Yeah. Thus building on the theme. Yeah. Ruth yeah. is just the rogue one of the Davidic kingship. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. That's a deep cut. Nobody's going to get that, and I'm so sorry. So I'm just going to clarify. Moab is actually, it does share borders with <laughs> the land allotted to Reuben because it's across from um, the Dead Sea, not the Jordan. It's oh, okay. Than I oh, thought okay. it was. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and so then we get into this interesting conversation with Ruth and Boaz, where he says, later during the mealtime, Boaz said to her, come here and have some food. Dip your bread in the vinegar. Like, join the meeting. Like, don't sit off your, alone. Uh, so she sat down beside the harvesters. Then he handed her some roasted grain. She ate until she was full and saved the rest. She oh, had, provided and more. Yeah. yeah. Your cup will be overflowing yeah. in the promised land. Right? But then also he says, come here, have some food. And she sat down. That word sat down is yashab, to sit down. And it means to dwell, to remain. Okay. To, to abide, to settle. Mm. So it's like a much more long-term uh, 
relaxation than just sitting down. And so this is this is the implication being this is a repeated thing. This is a long yeah yeah. Like she became thing. comfortable. She you kind of she's uh, she is dwelling with the, her provider mm. in that same language of repentance and returning back to the promised land. The same way that God promises to dwell with His people. Right. She is dwelling right. with her people now. Um. Beautiful. She's 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 found her home. She found the promised land. She found the provision and the provider, and mm-hmm. she's staying. Mm-hmm. She's got a cup overflowing. That is some beautiful stuff. I I agree. Um, but I don't think. Do you got anything else to add on that last section? Uh, nothing huge like jumps out at me. All my favorite bits of Ruth are in the last two chapters. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, have you guys spent a lot of time reading Ruth? Like, what? What's the extent of like, how important to you is Ruth? Because in my mind, it's it's an epilogue, or it's like a like it's one an of my favorite. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite books in the Old Testament. Okay, and, yeah. and what's um, what like what's the theme that makes it stand out for you? How intensely like? Hang on, this might be a pattern with mm-hmm. with Philemon. How intensely practical the law. Okay is and how, how that culture interplays. It's it's an actual example of the application of the law and the redemption that it brings, how it's supposed to function in society, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's people actually living the way they're supposed to. That's that's like to me Boaz is the best character in the thing because he oh, of his actions. Um yeah. and actually that might be come to think of it, that shares so many parallels on why Philemon is my favorite book in the new testament yeah um, mm-hmm. one of my favorite books in the new testament because it's the application of that of the covenant of grace um yeah i think if you're looking to con to communicate to somebody the love the grace and the goodness of god in life via the gospel um but you don't want to just say facts like you don't want to just quote the book of John, whatever. It is a beautiful articulation of the gospel. And in that reference of the kinsman redeemer as Christ, what I mean specifically is that we are provided like we as sinners walked away and through Naomi, through Boaz coming back to God there, there is an opening. Mm. There, there is a welcoming. He does invite. Love. He does invite. He initiates the relationship with Ruth. Okay. Right. She goes to his field. Mm-hmm. Right. This is like a person can walk into a church. Yeah. Right. But she. But God is the one that initiates her into that relationship. That's funny. If you were to bring the whole, do the whole analogy, just a person walks into the field, person mm-hmm. goes into the church, they're like, I don't know what I'm doing here. I'm just here, you know, yeah. as I can be. Yeah. If you were to follow through that that analogy, yeah. it'd be mm-hmm. kind of funny. Um, and there is a beautiful conversation of, you know, like if somebody is starting with the like, I, like one of the things that I dis- that was discussed a lot in this conference was people in the modern day are lacking meaning and they don't have a spiritual home. This is a conference that you went to a couple weeks ago. Yes. Okay. Uh, the quest for a spiritual home in Chino, LA. Uh, it was a wonderful conference. And the th- one of the things people are lacking deeply in this world, in the materialist world, is they're lacking a spiritual home. Yeah. They don't have an attachment to the transcendent. So they don't know, but they're essentially they've walked away. Yeah. They've sought provision in another field yeah. and people are tr- crying out and wanting mm-hmm. what they've walked away from, but they don't have the language or the understanding of what it is they left yeah. like Ruth. Mm-hmm. Cause she's been there her oh, whole life. A, yeah. Oh, right. Ruth is awesome. Why Ruth, didn't we frame yeah. this whole thing on the man's search for me? <laughs> right. Yeah. And so Ruth just applies in Naomi so going back to the land or the sinner that has walked away, going back to the church mm-hmm. and hence the world following yeah. all these people starting to discuss like, did we lose something when yeah. we abandoned Christianity in the Enlightenment because of Nietzsche? Okay, let's, like, let's set of, up that question up. Like, set up yeah. the crisis for us just before we really try and overlay it. Onto it. <laughs> no, Sorry. And I want you to do it as quickly as possible, not be, yeah. not for time, but because I want to be able to overlay it onto Ruth. Absolutely. So, as a result of history playing out the way it did up to the Enlightenment, mm-hmm. 
humanity came to this point where they said, uh, we've modernized with the industrial revolution and philosophy and everybody becoming educated all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. The enlightenment kicked in and people promoted humanistic values, which were just Judeo-Christian ethics and morals. Detached from authority claims. Detached from God. Yes, authority claims. And so essentially they said, we have the provision, (laughs) but we don't need the provider. Um, we have the kingdom without the king. Um, and it was great and they were heading in a great direction, but then all of Nietzsche provided an issue is that we've killed God. And now what's going to happen is people are going to fall into nihilism, meaninglessness and totalitarianism, an absolute attempt to control meaning and purpose in reality and order it properly. Um, and we need, and his, and he said, this is terrible. Mm-hmm. is a bad thing that we've done. Yeah. And so now because we've killed God, the philosophical idea of having an authority figure that gives us purpose and meaning, we're now going to fall in modernism into this desire to, in this need to create our own moral systems. Mm-hmm. And so hence the humanistic beliefs arriving us uh, that just assume the morals without the backdrop of religious history and so what you end up with is people detached from the immaterial, yeah. from the transcendent. There is only the material world, yeah. but they hold to these immaterial values. Yeah. And so they're, they, there's a disconnect in their thought and people lack purpose because only the material exists. There is no ultimate transcendent reality. Yeah, it's when you build a foundation from the top down, you soon realize you're falling. Yeah. Right. Like it's that kind of feeling, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but but as a result, people are detached. They they there's there's an transcendent aspect to the individual mm-hmm. that we are denying. Yeah. It's a uh, the way it's uh, somebody put it is, uh, it's inverted Gnosticism. Yeah. Okay. So we have said that the transcendent doesn't exist. It's yeah. bad. And only the material exists and is good. So Gnosticism would be the elevation of secret knowledge or the spiritual self over the material. Yeah. So we've done the inverse of that. We've done the inverse of okay. Gnosticism. Um, and as a result, people have become detached to meaning mm-hmm. and they're panicking. And they, and now what you're seeing is the rise of old shamanistic traditions, yeah. odd mysticisms, mm-hmm. Uh, straight up paganism, straight up paganism, yeah. uh, DMT experiences, uh, crystal, uh, new age stuff because people are clawing for a transcendent, for a immaterial claim. Mm -hmm. And so as a result, people are coming back. And so what you see is people falling away from Christianity because of that atheistic movement Mm -hmm. are now starting to, through Jordan Peterson and other intellectuals on the internet are, are starting to reassess, Mm -hmm the abandonment. And so like Naomi in a sense are coming back. Mm-hmm. And as a result, people that were never there mm-hmm. like Ruth yeah. are yeah. searching they're for Christianity. They're coming back with the Naomi's they're, and they're, the Naomi's are only coming back because they have nothing else. They're doing, <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. Well, they're, because they're doing they, my favorite pagan tradition that is converting to Christianity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they, so as they a result, to do that. <laughs> Well, no, as it was, because what's happening is they're saying, oh, Moab actually sucks. Everybody died here and there still isn't any food. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so on their way back, they're saying, man, that was actually pretty good. That was actually pretty great. And everybody else who had nothing like Ruth is going, what? Tell me more, please. And so a lot of times people are going for the pagan stuff. But as a result, mm-hmm. many are coming to the church. Well, I think I think the odds... Not the odds. The numbers, are, yes, they're they're fluctuating, but I think if anything, mm-hmm. they're actually growing. In the certain churches are actually beginning to see growth again. Yes, even some Catholic churches yeah. mm-hmm. are starting to see brand new converts. Uh, Greek Orthodoxy, because of this, because people have left uh, ritual completely and symbolism completely, have now are now overemphasizing mm-hmm. the effect of it, and so people are like. They're going there in droves. Like the one Greek Orthodox church I went to, they used to have 20 uh, catechumens a year. Mm-hmm. They're now getting 100. Wow. 
well, in a month. And and can you define catechumen? Because uh, catechumen is in the Greek Orthodox. Uh, that is the process of learning the tradition and the word properly mm-hmm. before you become baptized and it's, your first communion. It's confirmation awesome. in oh, yeah. in more yeah. more okay. Latin-based yeah. churches. But you're Latin not tradition. considered a part of the body mm. as a, until that is up. Man. Well, I think I think what it is 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 it's it's also Eastern Orthodoxy is so foreign mm-hmm. that it's it doesn't people who have left the faith. Yeah. Um or even that are slightly aware of the faith when they see that and it's like, oh, this is so different. Yeah. Um, anyway, getting back to Ruth. No, yeah. I want to talk about that for one second. Okay. Because one of the huge things for Eastern Orthodoxy um, is that if you want to say, well, Christianity is a is a Western religion, and you know, it's <laughs> it's basically been molded by North America. It's like, well, look at Eastern Orthodoxy. Uh, it's never been here. <laughs> And yeah. we never had anything to do with it, and it's yeah. still, uh, you know, in its bones, the same. Shockingly enough, there's a relatively large amount of Eastern Orthodox yes. uh, believers in North America. Only recently, though. Nope. Really? Mm-hmm. Think of all the Ukrainians that moved over in, like, the late 1800s and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I suppose, yeah. yeah. And I all guess the, that is the only uh, Orthodox and, church I've seen around here is Ukrainian Orthodox. Well, and all the Russians on the East Coast of the United States. Yeah, tons. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that being well, said, though, yeah. uh, traditionally, Eastern Orthodox, Eastern Orthodoxy counts, generally speaking, some angry person is going to... Someone's going to get angry at me. Eastern Orthodoxy <laughs> is, technically speaking, part of the Western civilization tradition, mm-hmm. you know, inherited out of Rome. Yeah. Yeah, well, the, the thing though is, is pe- when people say West, generally they think France, Germany, and England. Yeah, that's normally what they think. Well, yeah. and so let's let let's do that transition back to back Ruth. to Ruth now. With the, well, no, no, no. With these, what we've talked about mm-hmm. is this beautiful connection between Ruth and the modern day of people leaving, turning away from God, yeah, as due to the Enlightenment mm-hmm. in the West, and now a returning. Uh, many people have projected that theology will return as the queen of the sciences in the next hundred years as a result. I've read some stuff on this, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is crazy, but also such a wildly... Yeah, I don't believe it, and I have a degree in theology. <laughs> Here's the problem, is it, is it depends whether or not theology actually becomes contextual, mm-hmm. but it all depends on what happens with systematics. Yes. Um, so, but then again... We're in this, we're in this state where now we're turning back mm-hmm. like Ruth and Naomi with those thoughts in mind, with the story that we've discussed, what do you see the relationship in there? Like Boaz as the provider, as offering the provisions back in the promised land. If we've made that connection with Ruth and the Gentile coming back, what is it that in today, who's the provider of the provision Christ, obviously, but how does that theme interplay as well? I think it, we should note, if you're going to draw the parallels a mm-hmm. little bit, uh, again, don't go to the other fields. Don't go to my field and that field. Just yes. Stay. Stay with... If, if, you're, if Christ is your provider, don't do Christ and nationalism. Christ and, let's say, Crystals. Western philosophy, even. Don't go, yeah, I, yeah, I'm totally a Christian, but I also like heavy stoicism, which you see that every now and mm-hmm. then, with like, especially like young guys. Yeah. Um, or Christ and, Christ and, just stay in, stay in the field of Christ. Yeah. He's more than enough prov- provision. Your cup will overflow. Mm. You will have more food than you can eat. And then you can yeah. take some to your to your mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And you see that. Well, also, but further, Caleb, we are the body of Christ, the ones who are already in the field. So do we have to be in the position of Boaz? Is that what you're saying? Or are we in the position of Ruth? I think if we're taking the topic further, of course, Boaz is Christ. Yeah. But as the, as the representatives of Christ... Mm-hmm in the world, present, the the body of Christ, we, I think, have a responsibility to go to these people that are coming back yeah. and say, hey, we, there's a place. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a field here that you can... Come sit, dwell. Come sit, dwell with us. Let us... Here, have some extra. I'll take, I'll take food out of my food purposely to provide for you. Um, 
And I think that that would be, there's ways we can do that. We is right now, we're placing ourselves onto the internet and giving a place for people to talk about the true, the good, and the beautiful, mm -hmm. meaningful things, but in the Christian perspective. Yeah. We are essentially trying in a way, we didn't consciously think of this until right now, but in a way we are being the body of Christ calling out to the people that want deep truth, want that field that Christ offers, that Boaz offers. Okay. But there's other ways we can do that, not just on a podcast. Yeah, and, and I think it's, we don't emphasize it often, but we do all have churches we go to and are involved in, mm -hmm. right? Um, I don't know. Does that, I'm trying to put myself in the analogy and I can't figure out where I fit. Well, um, it might be one of those things where there's there's multiple analogies that you can bring yeah. to it, right? Mm -hmm. Any emphasize any one analogy and everything breaks down. Yeah. But if you actually if you emphasize multiple analogies, try to see yourself yeah. within each position. Oh, remember that that book that Herman that weird hermeneutics book that we read about like um, <laughs> wait the anointed the cloths? No, no, no. The, okay. ger the written by a German. It was translated from German. And it was about different hermeneutical principles. The Oeming, Oeming text? Yes. Yeah. Um, what's his first name? I don't remember. But German guy. Yeah. Oeming was his last Oeming, name. yeah. Um, or is, I guess. Um, he, I forget which of the hermeneutical principles was, uh, articulate yourself within each character and then rotate that. Right? Yeah. That was one mm -hmm. of the things. He wasn't endorsing. There was a lot of hermeneutics built built in, uh, <laughs> presented in that text. He wasn't endorsing any specific one. He pointed out the weaknesses and strengths of each. But if you're going to be taking a piece of text, trying to figure out analogies, how does stuff like this, mm -hmm. how do you how do you see typology and stuff like that, um, articulate different characters, yourself included, as the different characters in that text. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Um, I think one of the things we can do is because people are returning so to speak, they're turning back. They're, they're seeking the transcendent mm -hmm. now after abandoning it for materialistic atheism. Mm -hmm. um, we as the body of Christ, as Boaz, as the one obeying the law faithfully, so to speak, mm -hmm. um, you know, Boaz is obeying the law and that he's allowing them to eat off of his field instead of taking it. He's providing a safe place for the poor, the widow and the orphan. He's, he eventually becomes the kinsman redeemer as according to the law. He takes on that responsibility, right? Which, which shows that he sees her as a full member of that culture. Exactly. And so we, as the body of Christ, as the, as the ones faithful to the gospel, mm -hmm. we don't have to go to the nations and pre and make disciples. The nations are coming to us. That's the most Eastern Orthodox thing you said. Well, no, but it's also what's <laughs> happening in the story. Yeah. Boaz doesn't have to go into the Moab and offer them Judaism, mm -hmm. the provisions of God, and apostolize them. They're coming to him. Yeah. Right? And yeah. so we as Christians, we, I think, us, have to go out as workers in the church or as simply Christians. Yeah. Go out to these people, and when they're like, yeah, I'm looking, you know, I've been discussing philosophy because or like spirituality with this one, like mm -hmm. a mom or whatever. It's like, take that opportunity, jump in. Yeah. Be like, no, Hey, there's a field here. Yeah. It's way better. Mm -hmm. Um, when you go out into the world, um, when people are listening to music that is not great and they're seeking purpose in something else, tell yeah. them, no, Hey, come on. Yeah. There's this place. Dwell hmm. with them. Yeah. Be with them. It's hard to do though. Absolutely. I hate, I, I don't know. I find it very difficult to bring up like, hey, guys, mm -hmm. come to church. <laughs> it's really good. Yeah. It might have to be subtle in the same way that it's, you know. I'm not a subtle person. Well, well no, but it might start off with just <laughs> yeah. telling your servants to subtly drop extra. Not. I don't have servants, Josh. <laughs> no, I'm, Josh saying, I'm not a farmer <laughs> in 3000 BC. I'm trying to use Make this applicable to me. <laughs> It might be that like in your workplace, Caleb, that when somebody's having those conversations about and you just provide an alternative, you don't necessarily mm -hmm. say, hey, come to church. They got the answers. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, that, that is generally if I'm if I'm being yeah. honest, generally how it goes in my workplace. Yeah. People will have a discussion and then I'll say, well, this. 
It's just this is this would be the the perspective where people will talk about how it's just like, man, the world be crazy. And it's just like, yeah, but like it always has, always will be. And the only way to overcome that is grace. Yeah. Anyway, I'm going to go um, read my Bible. <laughs> I'm going to go do yeah. this in aisle five. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then after you have a few of those conversations, people are going, what? Are you a Christian? And then you're like, boom, come to my field. <laughs> yeah. Field of study. Mm. So fun play on words there. I sure. love that. Yeah. Joel, that's why I love you. I don't know how this episode's been. It's been an interesting one. I feel like we hit our stride there, right in the middle, when we were like, wait a second, what if this is about people returning to orthodoxy? (laughs) But it's not really orthodoxy either. Monkey sees pattern. Monkey sees pattern. People who have fallen away or were away, Ruth, Mm -hmm. coming back. I'm assuming the next episode where we covered chapter two and, Mm -hmm. sorry, three and four, um, will be probably more text-based. Because there's yep. some interesting ideas that we're going to have to deal with. There's some interesting dialogue between Boaz and Ruth, between yeah. Boaz and unnamed alternate king, Kingsman Redeemer. Yeah, which makes you think Naomi maybe was just not telling the truth. Again, I don't think Naomi's a great person. <laughs> yeah, well, it. if she's like, hey, he's the Kingsman Redeemer, and then Boaz is like, no, I'm not. <laughs> well, but I'll go swap sandals with the guy. Well, well, he's, he's one of them, just yeah. not the closest. Yeah. Yeah, hey, that would suck. Why would you swap sandals? Make sure he's good and drunk. Well, no, that was the provision. If you do not take the responsibility, like both sandals or just one, one, and then it would. That sucks. You would mess up your spine. I don't think you understand how bad their sandals. I don't think you understand how sandals work. They didn't wear socks and sandals. I got a sick set of Tevas right now, and if I swapped one of those out, I'd ruin my back. Anyways, you're always like, ah, my back. Yeah, I don't own a bed. It's <laughs> <laughs> not lying. <laughs> okay. Um, Joel, do are we? Uh, do we want to do a last media plug? <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> or do you, I, I could do it. No, I I got uh, it. I got oh, it. So you start to tell We have to let him do the outro without interrupting him this time. Interesting if part's you, like my favorite part. It's interesting well, if no, you start to take it away that he's like, no, no, I'll do it. No, <laughs> no, guys, it's fine. I'll do it. Oh, it's like mind. when Naomi and Ruth leave. Sorry, Naomi and Elimelech leave, and then they're like, oh, it was pretty great, and then he dies. Oh, that's where I fit into the analogy. <laughs> anyway, I'm the dead husband. <laughs> Don't worry. Ten years later, we're gonna f- start the outro. Yeah, I think so. I think we could wait a couple minutes. Kill. We have to be quiet. Thanks for listening to the Second Rate Saints podcast. We've enjoyed your listenership. These guys are about to laugh. Oh, man. Anyway, thanks for your listenership. I appreciate you for listening for this log. Um, Continue to uh, support us as well as you have, because honestly, we love getting uh, your comments, your emails, um, and also show suggestions. Like, we'll take full-on topics if you've got them in your head. Um, If this episode has stirred any thoughts um, whatsoever... I would love to hear them. And you can email those questions to secondratesaints at gmail.com or use our chat feature on secondratesaints.com. Yeah, we'll see you next week with another episode. Um, Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's just end the podcast. Whoa, whoa. Sweet and sour. Uh, how do- After an hour. <laughs>